Sorry, your iPad, Tony. It's okay. All right, good morning, everyone. Am I on now, Locke? Am I going? We are, uh, there it goes. Welcome to the windiest Sunday we've ever had here at the gathering. We're, uh, I think we're approaching three and a half years or so, and almost every Sunday we have the walls totally off, except for this morning. Otherwise, it'd be crazy. So um, I'm glad you are here. I hope you have your Bible. We will um, study it this morning for a little bit. We are going to do just a very brief, short series, just a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, on looking at key aspects of what it means to be a Christian. Just really simply that simple, that clear, what does it mean to be a Christian? And one thing this morning we'll look at and spend some time this morning is that to be a Christian means that God draws you in, but he always sends you out. God draws you in but he always sends you out. So part of my introduction this morning, um, Jenna Doobie is going to come up. She's with much thrill and joy in her heart. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm teasing now. But um, she just got back from Guatemala along with Brian Renner and, and several other people. So she's just going to give you just a qu quick overview. I said three to five minutes. I think one to three is better now because of the wind. Okay. <laughs> um, so just we're going to go that one. She's, he's going to give you a mic, I think, there. I, um, I really want to encourage you. I think it is uh, it's February 24th, I think. And um, I really want to encourage all of you to be thinking about springtime or summertime and actually going places and doing things and, and just, just actually just doing it and, um, and going. And Guatemala is one spot. We've gone to Haiti before. And I know that there, like Joel said, there are people scattered throughout the world. 
But as we see this morning, we'll look at, at John chapter 17. Here's what it means to be a Christian. God will draw you in, but he will always send you out. He will always draw you in, but he will always send you out. And so we'll explain that this, this morning from, um, from John 17. Every year, I, um, I take my eighth grade students to Washington, D.C., and we spend a week or so there and a couple days in New York. But one of my favorite spots in D.C. is an area, it's actually an unofficial street name called Embassy Row. Anyone been to Embassy Row in D.C.? Okay, well, you've you got to go sometime. It's actually, um, it's, a, it's a street with all of these amazing, large, beautiful houses that are embassies for not every country in the world, but a large number, dozens and dozens of these houses are embassies, and they have their flags and uh, unique architecture, and it's a beautiful spot. They come to our country as a representative sent from their home country to represent who they really are, to, to fix any um, bad or misguided stereotypes of what that country might be like. They are, they are here representing their country in an honest, accurate way. We have them in Los Angeles. In fact, um, on Wilshire, Wilshire Boulevard, there are dozens and dozens of what we would even call, if you look at them, um, a, a mission or an embassy. They are delegates that come and represent their country. And in the same way, um, as Joel read this morning in the passage, the word that's repeated two times is the word sent. And it's the, the word sent has the exact same idea. In fact, it's the Latin word we get missio um, from being on mission comes from the, the word being sent. And so one of the core components of what it means to be a Christian is that God will draw you in, but he will also send you out. One of the things that's important for us to understand, though, about this idea is that we will always, there will be some cultural resistance to that idea. Hey, uh, Ron, I think someone from a long time ago used to think, you got, okay, we're running over our children in the back. I think we've got to fix. Thank you. Um, we used to uh, bring the cars that way. I just want to make sure no one's going to get hurt. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say, but I'll, I think they're okay. One of the things that's a little bit controversial about Christianity that people will resist a little bit is the idea of, of trying to convert other people. When I say one of the core components of Christianity is that God will draw you in, but he will also send you out, we all need to be aware this morning as a church that there is some cultural resistance to that, that idea, that attitude. There's much about Christianity that the world will embrace. Helping the poor, supporting those who cannot help themselves, loving our neighbors, um, standing up for the children, um, turning the other cheek, showing love and compassion. There is much about Christianity that the world will embrace. But there is a part of it there is a part of this, if we're honest, the idea of telling people about Jesus can be, can be rejected in some sense. 
But I want to show you and argue that if we're honest, if we, if we are intellectually honest with each other, we all do that in some form. All right, so here, let me give you an example of what I mean. I used to, a long time ago in my 20s, I used to play um, a fair amount of basketball. I was never very good. In fact, I played on the, I went to, I'll back up and say this, I went to a very small Christian school and I played intramurals and I made the B division. There was an A division and a B division and I was so good I barely made the B division. But the point is, is that I played a lot and I've sprained my ankle a lot. And I've done them, I've done them both um, to the point where I have to go to the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So I know a little bit about how to deal with a sprained ankle. And if you've done that before, you probably, all you athletes know that the acronym RICE, rest, ice, compression, elevation, right? So today, I'm a coach at my school or if I'm playing with some buddies or something and someone sprains their ankle, by nature, I go on mission to help. I tell them, here's what you should do. You should rest it, you should put ice on it, you should put some compression and you should elevate it. Why would I do that? Well, because I believe that's the honest thing, that's the honest way to bring healing, but if someone's hurting, it's the loving thing to do. And so here's the honest truth. We are all on mission. If someone's hurting, you see us all the time in AA. If someone's struggling with addiction and someone who has some time of sobriety ahead of them, they will say, hey, I've worked the program. Here's how it helps. Pay attention to these steps. And so all people, all people are on mission for something. All people often want to step in and help and do things. What we have to be understanding or careful about Christianity is the idea of how you go about that, the, the, the method or the mode of going about that. So this morning we'll look into the passage a little bit more carefully, but the core truth is this, that to be a Christian means that God will draw you in and send you out. And so we'll look at three things this morning. If you have your Bible, turn back to John chapter 17, and we'll look at three things here. We'll look at the effect that missional living has on your life, the effect that being drawn in and sent out, what effect does that have on your life? We'll look at the strength to do this, the strength for missional living, and we'll look at the necessity of missional living. Those three things, the effect, the strength, and the necessity. So John chapter 17, verse 13 says this, but now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. The effect of missional living is joy in your life. Jesus clearly says right here, my joy fulfilled in themselves. The context of this passage, John chapter 17, is the priestly prayer. This is Jesus speaking to his Father. And he's saying, but now, Jesus is saying this, I'm coming to you. He's on his way to die and, and he'll rise again. These things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Is your life filled with joy? Listen, here's the reality. And I know I, I joke about this. And, and the longer our church exists, the more this, this becomes a reality. 
people, people become, they, they change their behavior a little bit more around me. And I, and I joke about it, and if I'm close friends with you, I'll probably even tease you about it. But people, anytime there's a pastor, preacher kind of person around, they clean up their language, they say nice things, and you have to like learn to like be like, you're so full of it, just be you. Okay, I know you. You don't talk like that when I'm, when I'm not around. So just be you. But here's one of the things that's so important. As a Christian, we can be some of the most joyless, some of the most joyless people. And what's directly related to that is you've lost a sense of mission or purpose in your life. Some of the most miserable people, okay? I've lived, I haven't lived in Malibu that long compared to a lot of you. But I do know this, in my 10, 12 years, however long I've been here, people that have no purpose in their life, they have no sense of direction or mission, all they do is cause problems for people. You're the, you're the most joyless, nosy, bothersome type person because you have no direction in your life. You have no purpose in your life. There is a direct, a direct link and connection in your own heart, in your life, if you don't have a sense of purpose, of mission in your life, you will be joyless. And Jesus is saying clearly, directly, that I'm going to draw you into my presence, but I'm going to send you out. And there is a direct joy connection right there. Think about it for just a moment. I am the, I'm the product of... of um, Baby boomers, I was born in 1970. Um, my, my parents were, you know, part of that culture. Uh, my dad went to Vietnam, but when he came back, it was part of the protest thing. And think about, when you think about, I think about that time period, and even like the Vietnam War and the protesting of that. There was passion. There was direction. There was meaning. There it was intent. That they had a purpose, that they, wanted to, that they wanted to have their voice heard. But what happens often over time, when you lose your sense of direction or you lose your purpose, joy leaves also. Whatever stage of life you are at, 20-something and single in school, your mission and purpose is to be sent out. 20s, 30s, newly married, 40s, 50s with kids, 60s, 70s, it does not matter. If you're lacking joy in your life, you are not connected with the mission that Jesus has. Here's the classic, let me just show you this. This is the classic passage. John chapter 17, verse 18 says this, referring to the Heavenly Father, as you... The Father sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As so, as the Son has been sent, so I send you. That is directly connected, directly linked to your joy in your life. Are you sour this morning? Are you grumpy? Are you complaining? Are you always looking for the negative? Are you always identifying flaws? If you're on mission with what Jesus is speaking about here, you don't have time. There are too many things to do. And here's what will steal your joy. 
here's what will steal meaning in your life, is that you are focused on yourself. That is the greatest thief to your joy. Believe it or not, and this is important for all of us, it doesn't matter your age, there are causes in your life that are more important than yourself. I don't care how old you are, there are causes more important in your life than making yourself happy. Let me give you an example. Marriage. That is a cause that is more important than your own personal happiness. Commitment to your family. Commitment to a church family. Commitment to the mission of Jesus. The idea of what's in it for me will fade away when you understand that your joy is directly linked to being on mission with Jesus. Do you have something to live for? Do you have something to die for? I don't mean to be morbid this morning at all. The reality is this. None of us know when we will pass. It could be 20, it could be 40, it could be 80. The question is, what are you living for? What are you living for? What are you willing to die for? We, um, we spent the last few days in Arizona, went to watch spring training, and one of the things that's really different about Arizona, and most of my life here in the Palisades or Malibu, is that most of my life here, I'm working with teenagers, my students, and church, primarily younger people. In Arizona, I had to go to Costco, and it was a beautiful thing, but it, it was all white-haired people, old people. Arizona, I guess, enjoying the warmth. But here's the thing. Regardless of your age, I don't care if you follow the sun, if you're retired and you, you live half the, your life in Boston or New York, New Jersey, like a lot of the people that I met and come to Arizona in the wintertime. Are you wasting your life if you don't understand that you have a purpose or mission in your life you might be wasting your life. You are wasting your life. You, have, you are lacking joy. Jesus continues, and here's what we'll, we'll continue to, the strength for living the missional life, the, the strength for being sent out. And this, is, this is really important. John chapter 16 says this, They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Jesus was in a place of perfect community in heaven with his heavenly father. He was in a place of comfort and he left. He was sent here by the father. The strength for living a missional life, the strength for being sent out is when God draws you in. And this is just so foundational. I'm not trying to give some pep talk some, trying, some kind of motivational talk to get you to think about being sent out. The only way you are ever sent out is if you are drawn in first. There has to be a connection with God first. Let me give you two examples. If you have your Bible, turn to um, Exodus chapter 3. And we'll look at the story of Moses just briefly. Exodus chapter 3. I'll give you an Old Testament <clears throat> example of this. 
Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. All right? Keeping the flock. That is as mundane and as routine as anything in life. I'm not a farmer. Spend a little bit of time on different farms of people I know. But taking care of animals is really fun at first, right? We got a puppy several years ago, a Labrador, seven years. He's seven years old now. Asking the boys to take him out and go play with him. I don't want to anymore. When he's a brand new puppy, yes, all the time. <clears throat> we love new fun things. Taking care of sheep and goat after weeks and months and years, I'm telling you, boring, boring, boring. The routine. So whatever routine you have, hey, it's more exciting than Moses. Whatever routine it is, it's way better than walking around the desert taking care of goats. God draws him in. Verse 3 says this. Excuse me, I'll skip up to verse 2. It says this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out in the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. There is a seriousness, there is an intensity about being drawn in. In the routine of your life, during whatever day you think is boring, at Tuesday at 2 o'clock, God wants to draw you into his presence. And he gives Moses a glimpse of what he is like. He is a holy God. He draws him into this unique and powerful experience. Verse 10 then says this. Come. This is God speaking to Moses. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And the key word is, I will send. God always draws us in to send you out. I honestly feel like this needs to be a realignment in Christianity in America. Give me the good blessings, give me the good feelings. Give me good music. Give me fun things. Give me my friends. And then it just stops. It's deeply self-serving. Give me the things that make me feel good. I can give you example after example after example after example in the Bible that yes, God does want to draw you in, but he always sends you out. One other example, and we won't turn there this morning. Genesis chapter 12, the story of Abraham. God promises these really cool things. I will make your name great. I will make you a nation. I'm going to do all these amazing things. He says, I'm going to bless you. And that means, in Old Testament times, that means financial blessing, financial wealth, material things. But the key part of that, Genesis chapter 12, the first few verses, he says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. Do you understand that? 
I will bless you. God wants to bless you this morning. Why? So that you will be a blessing to others. God always wants to draw you in and bless you and give you things. He wants to bless you spiritually. He wants to bless you in other ways. But it's never self-serving. It's always so you can go out. It's always so you can be a blessing to other people. Somehow, some way, we corrupt what it means to be a Christian. Our own self-centeredness gets twisted. Here, this is just so important. and it, You need to realign how you think. You want joy. You want internal, real happiness in your life. Stop looking at your own self-centeredness. Draw near to God. Come close to Him, and He will bless you. But He will bless you for the purpose so you can be a blessing to other people. And in that is amazing, real joy. Not fake, candy-coated, surface joy, but real, deep, life-changing joy. The strength for missional living is always an encounter with God. And it is always our intent, our hope, on Sunday mornings when we come together, that you will experience that, that you will experience who God is, that you will experience the holiness of God, that you will experience Him as the Lion and the Lamb, the power, the omnipotence, but also the humble, gentle, serving Father who sent His Son so that we can have a relationship with Him. Turn back to John chapter 17 and we'll finish up with the last part. The necessity, what is required? John chapter 17, verse 17 says this, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. What's required as we are sent out ones is that we all live lives of holiness. That we are living personal lives of integrity. Listen, here's what we don't need. I need to finish up, I think. Here's what we don't need. Here's not what, here's what people... Here's what is not ultimately needed. What's, what's not ultimately needed is, an, is we don't need a sermon. We don't need good music. We don't need to invite people to church. The ultimate of what's needed or one of the core things that's needed is that we as a church family are living lives of personal holiness. That is what's required. Jesus says... I sanctify them. That means set apart. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, Jesus is set apart that they also may be sanctified in truth. That your life is set apart. That is what's needed in all of our lives. That is where that is where people will begin to ask questions. It's not about me trying to give a good sermon or the worship team trying to sing really cool songs. It's about you when we all leave here. 
that we live lives of integrity, what do you do when nobody's watching? What do you do when your teacher assigns reading? And I do this in my classroom. And I say, do this reading. And then the next day I say, did you honestly read it? Yes, Mr. Kelly, I read it. Good. Are you lying to me right now? Maybe. <laughs> Be honest. What are you like when nobody's watching? Are you honest at work? Do you really do the things you say you're going to do? Your personal character, how you spend your money, your sexuality, the things you spend with your time, what's important to you. Jesus is he's just clearly saying that, that, that God's word is true. And I just want to encourage you, the how-to of, of living lives of holiness is learning to spend time in God's word. It's doing it with other people. It's asking questions. It's being honest. It's saying, I want something meaningful in my life. I, I want to do what this says. Jesus says, this is just clear. This is not gray. This is black and white. To be a Christian means that you are drawn into the presence of God, but you are sent out to be a blessing. You are sent out to be a blessing with a life of integrity, with a life of holiness. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what God is calling us to do this morning. Every single Sunday morning when I'm studying or coming up here, I always expect or hope that God will speak to us through His Word. And I believe clearly that the message he's saying is this, that I want, I want you guys to be in my presence so you can be a blessing to other people. So that we're not a church that's just focused on ourselves, but so we can be sent out ones to be a blessing to people. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 tells the story of how this actually gets into place. Remember, Jesus departs. He's crucified. He rises again. He ascends into heaven. And he leaves the 12 apostles with a mission who radically changed the world forever, not with a strategic marketing plan, but with men and women and a small group of people who have lives of direction, who have lives of purpose. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit will turn these words on fire in your life and push you to holiness, will push you to be a blessing to other people, push you to be relevant, push you to change the world. Raise our expectations. Raise your expectations for your life. 
dream and do something significant with your life that Jesus is calling you to, it will bring joy to your life. It will bring meaning to your life. It's what it means to be a Christian. That's who we are by nature. We don't get to redefine Christianity in our own name, in our own style. We are to be witnesses in Malibu, in L.A., Guatemala, Haiti, wherever it goes. And the dynamic force that will make that happen is your life of integrity. At some point, someone will say, there's something different about how you live your life. There's something unique about who you are. And the response is, I was a beggar on my knees before Jesus looking for grace and mercy. And Jesus extended his hand and gave me the hand of grace, the hug, the warm embrace of mercy and kindness, the things that we don't deserve. What it means to be a Christian is that we are all drawn in, but we are also all sent out. Drawn in so that you can receive a blessing, sent out so you can be a blessing to other people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the clarity we have in your word. Father, I pray that that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would be moving in our lives, moving in this church community, that you would draw us in closely to who you are, that our hearts would be warmed, our lives would be changed, and that we would leave this place so we can be a blessing to other people. Father, I pray that this morning through your Spirit that it would start today. Let it happen today. Right now, in your presence, that we can be a blessing to others. Drawn in to be sent out. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.